Welcome back to Throne Hands. It's Jacob. Brett can't make it, but Daniel's here. Daniel, how you doing? Doing great, man. Really excited to be here again. All right. We got more. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, let's start off with uh, Sangwoo Choi versus Yusuf Zala. Zala coming in short notice. Didn't work out for him. He, he took the loss. Um, he, he just seemed overmatched for some reason. I don't know why. I think... If you know if this fight was fought back in October with normal notice or with you know appropriate notice, I think Zala probably would have won this fight. But you know things happen. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I would agree. I think I think Sung Woo Choi did show some things in this fight. Obviously, you could tell Zala was coming in on short notice, like you said. But uh, he he did well uh, shutting down Zala's takedowns. He was three for nine on takedowns, so he got taken down a couple times. Uh, but overall, he was able to keep Zalal from getting him to the ground while landing two takedowns of his own. So you combine you combine that with him throwing more than twice as many strikes as Yusef Zalal, landing 73. I thought he looked really good. Again, I love Yusef Zalal. He's, he's a really fun guy to watch. I'm never going to bet against him just because of that attitude uh, that we were able to pick up from him and in interviewing him. Uh, but I think this was a really strong performance for Sung Woon Choi. Yeah, I think so too. I, you, I, you took the words pretty much right out of my mouth. Uh, I think, I think, uh, getting into what's next, I think Choi deserves somebody in the top fifteen. Um, I mean, the top of the top fifteen is kind of getting worked out right now, but I don't see any reason why he shouldn't. He's a solid prospect. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no reason to not give him that kind of opportunity. There's plenty of guys. Uh, towards the back of the top 15 that are either coming off a loss or our fellow, you know, younger guys, fellow prospects that are, are really trying to have a star making performance. I think there's plenty of opportunity for him to get that. For sure. And for Zalal, um, I think he needs to take a step down, get his feet back under him. Um, you know, two straight losses. I mean, against two very good guys, there's nothing to complain about there, but he has a place on this roster. I think you'll be a very good fighter, but he just needs to figure some stuff out. What do you think? Yeah, we're we're talking about a guy that I mean, less than six months ago was was considered one of the best twenty five fighters under the age of twenty five in the UFC in MMA in general. So uh, Yusuf Zalal has has plenty of career in front of him. Uh, I expect it to be in the UFC, and I expect him to to reach some pretty high heights. Like you said, he needs to you know take a step back just. Uh, reassess things because like you said a, a couple of losses back to back but you know it, it's what happens for sure and, and mean, to be and to be fair to be fair these last two fights he's gotten last minute changes on him because uh, his his lost Ilya Teporia he was supposed to fight Sung Woo Choi uh, back then uh, and then Sung Woo Choi withdrew 10 days before that fight and then Zalal stepped in to replace Colin Anglin in this one so he's got two losses but both of them he's had his opponent changed at the last minute or he's been stepping in on late notice so I think he's got plenty of plenty in front of him he just needs to take a step back and reassess a few things before moving forward can't take anything I can't 
uh, what, dang, I can't say anything. you're wrong. All right, next fight. Speaking of someone who needs to take a step back and think about what he's doing, I think Justin James needs to stop taking these short notice fights and get a proper training camp in, man. I, he, I think he needs to also cut down to 45. He lost Devontae Smith via TKO by a doctor stoppage. Looked like he had a pizza bubble under his right eye. Um, yeah, I mean, he needs to take a step back and reevaluate his plans in the UFC because he's too small for a lightweight. What do you have to say? I agree. Justin Janes just, just kind of got beat up in this fight, and I think a lot of it had to do with uh, the lack of size he had coming in against Devontae Smith, who is really not a huge guy either. Uh, but you just look at these guys' bodies, and Devontae Smith uh, – in terms of measurements is freakish with his reach and everything. And that's just not what Justin James is. And Justin James is a guy that has to get in close on you, whether it's with his wrestling or, or trying to knock somebody out with that, with that power in his hands. Uh, but against a guy like Devonte Smith, that has such a massive reach advantage and is a little bit quicker than Justin James. He's not going to have those opportunities. He's going to have a lot more of those opportunities. Like you said, if he moves down to 45. Yeah, I think we just uh, knocked out everything there. Uh, Devontae Smith, um, I don't know who – he's not ready for the top 15 yet, but I think he should get a really solid prospect next. I think I think this guy has some place in this division uh, in the future if he gets – when he gets better. Uh, coming off an Achilles injury, that's never easy. Uh, what do you think's next for Smith? Yeah, I agree with you there. Get somebody – another up-and-comer, see what they've really got here. And then for Jane's – he might be on the chopping block for cuts, to be honest. I hope not, but I, I think he really just needs to move down to 45, have a good training camp, and just see what happens. Because I think at 45, he's a he's a he's a thick dude. So I think I think he can make some things happen at 45. What do you have to say? Yeah, I agree with you there. He's he's going to have opportunities there if he doesn't get cut. But if if he doesn't get cut, that's what he needs to do. Uh, but again, three straight losses that typically gets you in line to be cut at least relatively soon. And that's, that's the position he's in right now. Well, I, I, to go off of that, I think he might not get cut because he's just so willing to just step in there on yeah. so many and, days. And you, notice. Need the, you need those kind of guys on your roster. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to respect it, but if he wants success in the UFC, I think he's just got to move. All right. To the first bat on the main card, slow Mike Rodriguez versus Danilo Marquez. Breck was right about this. Never uh, bet against a Brazilian. Subbed him out, uh, out cold, really. He fought great. You can't really complain. Uh, Mike Rodriguez, he, he's, he might be sort of a gatekeeper for this division, but I think Danilo Marquez has a lot of potential. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I agree. The thing I took away most from this fight is I think we know what Mike Rodriguez ceiling is now. And unfortunately, I don't think it's it's nearly as high as what I once thought it was. You know, he's lost three of his last four. He looked great with that knockout against Marcin Procneo. Uh, but the fights around that, he just it, it's not been there for me in, in watching him. Uh, a really good credit to Marquez here with the technical submission with the with the rear naked choke. Uh, a really strong performance from him because even when they were on the feet, he was outstriking Mike Rodriguez and he was doing it really efficiently. He landed 95% of his strikes in this fight and, tw- and all 29 of his significant strikes. And I get some of that came on the ground, but uh, he perfectly set up uh, the way that he was going to finish Mike Rodriguez. He got the opportunity to do it late in the second and he pulled it off. Yeah, you summed it up perfect there. I think for Mike Rodriguez, I already said gatekeeper. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? I don't. And then for Marquez, um, I say 
it's tough. I think uh, I know Jamal Hill and Paul Craig are fighting. I think he just needs to wait a little bit for things to shake up. And I think he, he should just get a top 15 opponent. I don't think he should wait. He's big. He has a lot of potential for this division. What do you have to say? I agree completely. Nothing to add. All righty. That's what we like. All right. Fight of the night. Great fight here. Diego Fajardo versus Benil Dariush. Everything you wanted here on the ground, on the feet. Uh, Diego Fajardo is holding his own. And Benil Dariush, I-, I was surprised he held his own on the ground. Uh, well, not surprised, but, you know, I thought Fajardo was going to beat the more dominant one on the ground. Great fight. What were your takeaways? This was a great fight, like you said, fight of the night, and it was really even for the majority of it. Like you said, this fight going to the ground and Dariush being able to go with Ferreira was really surprising. The thing that surprised me more in that regard was the fact that Dariush was the one that was more willing to go to the ground. Uh, Ferreira didn't land a takedown. He only attempted one. Dariush pulled out five, and I think that was the big difference maker in this fight. So, Uh, Benil Dariush showing that he's a little more well-rounded of a fighter. He's not just a boxer in there and he's able to do it against Fajara, who's great on the ground, but also has some pretty heavy hands. I've been a Benil Dariush fan for a really long time, uh, but I think this is a legitimate chance for him to break into the top 10 and try to make something happen, potentially become a top five guy by the end of 2021. Oh, for sure. I I can't disagree with anything you said there. All right. To what's next. Uh, Fajara, I mean, I agree with what, uh, what's his face? Uh, Benil Dariush said, I think he should get some higher up competition. I think, I think Paul Felder would be a great fight to make. And for Dariush, um, RDA or hooker, I think, I think those are great fights to make. You can't really go wrong with anybody in the top 10. What do you have to say? I agree. And to, to kind of bounce off of that point with, with Rafael Desanos and Dan Hooker sitting there, that's what really makes this division interesting at lightweight because you've got the guys at the top. You've got your Poirier's, your Gaethje's, your, your Oliveira's and your Chandler's and even Tony Ferguson to an extent and Conor McGregor lurking where you might want to make a fight with one of those guys against an RDA or a hooker uh, to either get a star making performance out of Dan Hooker, get a, a solid veteran for one of those guys to take on in, in Rafael de Sanos. But also you've got these younger guys towards the back of the top 15 uh, with Diego Fajera, uh, Benil Dariush, those types that you want to match up with those guys because you want to see if they can be legitimate contenders moving forward. This is a lightweight division that, despite all the talent at the top, is really kind of in flux in the middle because you've got these veterans that haven't necessarily established themselves at the top or have been at the top in the past and are on the way down. Meanwhile, you've got these guys coming up, and it's going to be kind of a collision of worlds, I think, over the next year or two as the UFC tries to figure out what the future of this division looks like uh, beyond your your Poirier's and your Gaethje's uh, of the world, so to speak, as these guys like Dariush and, and Fahera try to prove themselves at the highest level and put themselves into that conversation as the next generation of lightweight contenders. Perfectly stated, my man. I'm not even going to add anything to that. All right. To the third bout of the main card, Alexander Pantoja versus Manel Cop. Manel Cop, you know, coming in uh, uh, from K uh, from Ryzen, he did very good. Um, I was very impressed. I think he could be a very good uh, championship contender for a very long time, and Pantoja getting his feet back under him. Um, impressed performance from Pantoja. What were your thoughts on this one? I, I enjoyed this one a lot as well. This was a very solid fight. Uh, like you said, Pantoja 
was in control for the majority of it, I thought. But Cop looked really good. I think he's got a, a big future. And I said this in the preview. They were not going to take a guy like that coming into the UFC on his debut and put him against the top five guy in Pantoja if they didn't think he had star potential. And I still think he does. I still think that's in the cards for Manel Cop moving forward. I just don't think he's on that level of polish quite yet. And I don't think he was entirely expecting what he was going to get out of Pantoja in this fight, uh, but it was still really entertaining. And Pantoja is legit. He's, he's a legit top five guy in this division. He's legit in terms of title contention moving forward. And I would not be surprised to see Manel Cop there anytime soon. Yeah, definitely. Um, as for what's next for Pantoja, I think Alex Perez is the fight to make personally. Um, I don't really the, – the flyweight division is kind of interesting. Um, you know, you have – wasn't Benavides just announced to fight? Uh, who was he announced to fight? Do you remember? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't say that I do, but I can find it for you. All right, yeah, go – thank you for looking that up. Oh, I think Kaikar France or – no, Kaikar France is fighting someone else. But it, it's a weird division. Um, things might have to – there's not much to shake Oscar, out. Oscarov. Yeah, all right. That's what I thought. March so 6th. it's it's in the works, is what they're saying. Yeah. So I think Perez is the fight to make personally. What do you have to say? I agree. I think that's that's the matchup that makes sense, and at least in my opinion, it is. And for Cop, I th- I think Matt Schnell would be a great fight for him. Uh, I think you'll probably get ranked up in that top ten after this, but I think that's actually the perfect fight to make, in my opinion. Matt Schnell. What do you have to say? I would tend to agree with that. All right. Two two old dudes banging it out. <laughs> Michael Johnson, Clay Guida. Michael Johnson, uh, you know he he's beat some people in the division, but he's also lost some relatively unknown people as well. And Clay Guida, the cardio machine, doesn't get talked about enough. What are your thoughts on this one? Clay Guida came out, came after him. That's uh, that's all you really need to know. These guys. Uh, went back and forth for the majority of this fight. These are two guys that we were talking about that both of them could be done no matter what happens in this fight. But, you know, uh, Guida came out. It was a real, it was an entertaining fight. It was a pretty even fight from bell to bell, uh, but it was the difference that he made on the ground with those three takedowns and being in control when it was there uh, that, that made the difference. He wore Michael Johnson out over three rounds and he pulled this one out. Yeah. Uh, not even going to add anything to that. Um, for Michael Johnson, I, I think he might get cut. There's 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 no there's no room for him to go. There's no he has no path. He he's there, reached the end no of the logical road. Logical next step for him. Bellator, I mean. <laughs> yeah. And yes. then Clay Guida, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. He wants a young guy, but I I, I don't know. What do you think is next for Guida? I'm not sure he's at a stage where that's that's really what you want for him because. I don't know what benefit that has for a younger guy. I don't know what benefit that has for him. It's kind of a lose-lose situation. I guess if you're Guida and you go in there and you you beat some big prospect, you get yourself back into top 15 contention maybe, but what's what's your ceiling there? I don't really get it. And then if you lose, you're probably just going to get cut. I, I, I don't understand. You're, you're looking at a guy who more than likely, if he doesn't get cut now, is going to be fighting for his career to where his next loss is going to be the one that gets him cut. So I, I, I don't know. I think if he can stick around and, and kind of make his way by fighting guys that are a little older and are a little bit more past their prime, like he is and like Michael Johnson is, then he can keep making a living in the UFC. But I, I just don't see a scenario where he takes a step back towards contention, even if it is a back end top 15 spot that he would be competing for. Yeah. And I think, 
I, yeah, I, I know Justin James wants to fight him. I say loser gets cut. All right, that's that's my that's my take on that. This is a rough one. Out with the old, in with the new. Corey Sandhagen uh, flatlines Frank Yeager with a flying knee. Put him 28 sleep. seconds. Sleep. Uh, man, th- this was tough to watch. Frank Yeager, who usually just mows through people, getting just knocked out cold. I don't really know what to say about it. What were your thoughts? Sandhagen, man, I, I thought – it was probably foolish, but I was I was all on the Sandhagen train going into the Aljo fight, and I was I was proven wrong. But I still think Corey Sandhagen is legitimately a future champion. I think that is is one hundred percent true. That is my opinion. I'm one of this guy's biggest fans, and he went out there against Frankie Edgar and put him to sleep in 28 seconds and did it in a spectacular way. So. Sandhagen is going to make the UFC a lot of money in the future, and he's going to make himself a lot of money in the future. When that happens, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's going to be very soon, but this proved to me that the Corey Sandhagen that we saw get choked out by Aljamain Sterling is not the same one that's fighting today. You know, we saw that in his last fight, but I think that was another step forward on Saturday to where Corey Sandhagen, he's no longer the blue chip prospect. He is the stone cold killer that is coming for that title belt. And I think that's the biggest thing to take away from this fight. Frankie Edgar is one of the best to ever do it in the weight classes that he's fought. But the thing that I'm taking away is Corey Sandhagen is ready and he's coming very, very soon to a theater near you, so to speak. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with anything you said there. I think, you know, this summer when he fights either Piotr Jan or Aljamain Sterling, I think it'll be Jan, but we'll get into that in a month. But this is, yeah, this is, uh, he's he's incredible. I don't, I, I'm, I'll be hard-pressed to see him lose in a while. All right, and as for Frank Yeager, you know, I, I will, I'll get into that. I'll get into my point when we talk about uh, Overeem. But as for what's next, I think Marais is the fight to make. You know, they both need to get back into the mix. And I I think that's just the perfect fight to make. What do you have to say? That works for me. I think that would be a great fight. All right. Uh, more out with the old and with the new. Alexander Volkov making a Alex Overeem look like Velma looking for her glasses. Uh, this was tough to watch as well. Uh, Alexander, Alexander Volkov's freaking good man he's fantastic he absolutely dominated this whole fight and i think all three of us chose over him to win this fight but volkov is a big dude and he he won the fight fair and square and he and credit jason herzog let's just say this fantastic stoppage fantastic i was going to fantastic that was that was amazing fantastic stoppage he doesn't get enough credit but what were your thoughts on this one man I mean, this was just an absolutely classic UFC heavyweight fight. I mean, you look at the you look at the fight stats on this one. They landed 64 strikes, and they were all significant. These were just two big, big meaty men slapping meat. That's that's what the <laughs> UFC heavyweight division is right now. Just that's that's what it is at this moment in time. Other than like a couple of guys, and that's what we saw for for seven minutes of fight time. Uh, out here and Volkov was was in control for pretty much all of it and 
Overeem, I, he, he didn't look comfortable is, is the way I would put it. I don't think he handled uh, Overeem's length very well, or not Overeem, Volkov's length very well. And, and you were texting in, in our group message that he needed to go for a level change and, and he went to it too late and he, he just wasn't able, I, I think, to get in on Volkov the way that he needed to, to either be able to get him to the ground or, or land anything significant to the body or the head. So uh, more power to Volkov. Uh, I did not expect him to have this kind of performance. I did not expect him before this fight to have all that high of a ceiling as far as this division goes, but he, he looked great. He proved me wrong, and I'm excited to see what he do, does in the future. Definitely. So I'll, we'll get to Overeem last. So Volkov, uh, there's not much to talk about. This this division is absolutely just locked up. So mm-hmm. I think when we get through February, we'll, we should just honestly do a heavyweight episode because there's just not enough to talk about here. That, that is completely true because – uh, no matter who won this fight, it was going to cause even more deadlock in the top five than there is now. Yeah. And let's talk, let's talk about um, what's next for both these old guys in Edgar and Overeem. I saw on Twitter, somebody made a good point that it's better to retire a year early than retire a year late. And I think that's the case for both of these guys. I, I they've hit their ceiling in the, their respective divisions. I think maybe not Edgar, but he's taken a lot of damage for the 15 years he's fought in the UFC. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on that? I would agree. I think if one of these guys sticks around longer, it will be Frankie Edgar. I think looking beyond what was a 28 second knockout, because for the guy that gets KO'd. You can't take away all that much from a 28-second knockout. He's still got something there. I'm not entirely sure what it is. I don't think it's I don't think it's title contendership, but uh, I, there's something there. I, I I just I'm I'm hard pressed to tell you what it is. As for Overeem, I think I think he was riding high on the uh, on the on the quest for another title shot. Now that this loss pretty much sets in stone that it's not going to come. I think we're either going to see him retire or, or move into a slightly less uh, prominent role. Maybe if he doesn't retire, I could see him uh, falling into the category of some of these, these other older heavyweights that slide towards the back of the top 15 and kind of just fight each other, whether they fought each other in their primes and this is the rematch that we never got, or this is you know two guys that were at the peak of the sport, but for whatever reason, never fought in their primes. They get that at the end of their careers. I don't know. If, if I was Alistair Overeem, I would look very hard at retiring because he's one of the best to ever do it. The UFC heavyweight title eluded him, but that, that happens. That happens to people. It it happens in all sports. It happens in all walks of life. And and for Edgar, I think he's still got something, but he's going to have to prove in his next fight, whatever it is, if it comes, what that is. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you there. All right. Uh, you know what? We'll talk about this. Was, was it just me or was Ariel Hawani pissing you off yesterday with all of his tweets during the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, I was not. Uh, I was not impressed with that. No, I'm not. I, I mean, we love the guy, but, you know, it's yeah. just. yeah. He's the best in the game, man. But Oof. He, He's a cringe magnet is what I he found. Is. He, he is. He, he's a so very. That's a, good, that's a good word for it. 
he's a, he's a very open target for yeah, those so like a, yeah <laughs> for those like Darren Till and everybody yeah. else. Speaking of Ariel Hawani, you know Hawani boxing got retweeted. You know, you know my yeah. boxing. Yeah. There you go. I know it's been a good day for me. Stepe, been a good month. Stepe connected with me on LinkedIn. That was just hey out of the legendary. blue. Legendary, legendary. I know the guy, but yeah, He's a friend right. of a friend, a friend, a friend of a friend. <laughs> All right, ooh, Pitbull, Patricio Pitbull. Uh, how you meant? I thought you meant Mr. 305. Uh, Dale. Um, <laughs> uh, he's, he wants to fight um, Max Holloway. Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. But he wants to do it cross-promotion. That's not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen. That's, There's no way that's going to happen. That's really odd. Um, Spike Carlisle got released from the UFC. That... That disappointed me because I think he's really fun, <laughs> really fun yeah, to watch. He's, he's super entertaining, but yeah, he, he didn't win fights, and that's he's what you that, need to do. He's not that great. He's not a great fighter. <laughs> he's he's really not a good fighter. But you put him out there and you give him opportunities because he makes people he makes people tweet about the UFC. Yeah, he's just really just fun to watch. Um, there's not really too much. It's been um, relatively quiet. Uh, our, Hawani said that Poirier McGregor three is likely next um, from his sources. Do you think it'll be for the belt? Will it? Yes. Should it? Probably not. No, I hope not. Um, I think I think that's what you're you're looking at in that <laughs> regard. Um, yeah, there's there's guys that I think. At least in the case of Conor, I think Dustin Poirier is absolutely deserving of a title shot. Conor McGregor is not in, in at this point in his career, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rail against it the way that I did with the uh, with the lightweight title. But if if that fights for the title, it's it's completely undeserving in Conor McGregor's regard. But I, I don't know what to tell you. It's it's gonna make the UFC a ton of money, and if they put the belt on the line, it's gonna make even more. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't blame them doing so. No, but absolutely not. They have every right to do it. That's a lot of money. <laughs> I, yeah, you're you're turning down free money if you don't put the title on the line. Yeah, really. Uh, anything you want to discuss? I don't have a whole lot to add. We we hit it pretty good here. Yeah, we did. We did hit it pretty good. Um, dang, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. Um, great fights this weekend. Uh, I think. I think this card overall was better this past weekend, but we got we got good stuff this weekend, man. I can't, I can't wait for this fight. I think uh, Usman versus Burns, I, I think it's going to be a banger. I think Usman is going to have his hands full. <laughs> yeah, this 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 might be his greatest challenge. I know we're gonna we're gonna get into this later in the week, but this this might be the toughest test he's faced as the champion, personally, in my opinion. Yeah, and I agree with you completely. All right. Uh, oh, Spike's going to Ryzen. That's his, that's going to be his new home. He says. There you so, go. Good for <laughs> he, Spike. He he he'll be good over there. All right. You got anything else? We get to watch Kel. We get to watch Kelvin Gastelum on Saturday. Oh, great, great. I hope. I hope he gets his feet back corner. under him. I really do. Because yeah. uh, if if it weren't for that ten eight round against Adesanya, you could argue he won the fight. But yeah. Uh, and and we can see a throwing hands magic gets back on track with Julian Marquez. 
Ooh, I hope so too. I it's hope Maki so Patolo, baby. That that's a tough challenge to come back. We got a guy. We interviewed a guy on a pay per view main card, my friend. That's nice to hear. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's a good note to end on. We'll end there. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later in the week. We'll talk about it Thursday. All right. We'll see you guys later.